Father, you are amazing. I, I want to read this over you. This, this message is called Stretching for the Vision. And again, the context is to awaken you into the now of what God is doing now across the world. He's mobilizing the church. He's mobilizing you. There's no time to be goofing off now. It's a concerted effort of you engaging in the church to the vision to see people saved. And I've got some graphic stuff to show you. It's going to shake you, awake you into the time in which you live. Some people live before their time or live after their time. Life's gone by and they go, oh, I wanted to do that. But you've got to be on the money. You've got to be in the rhythm of life, in the rhythm of life. And, and that's the right time zone for you. Some people try and go back and get a bargain, but the bargain's gone. Some people try and bless someone, but they've moved overseas. Uh, you, know, you know what I mean? It's out of kilter. They go to witness for someone, but they're not there now. And You've got you to gotta be on the money. You've got to flow in the spirit and, and do that. But the message is called stretching for the vision. I want to say this to you as a statement. The Lord is able and willing to communicate with his servants in the desolate places, in the lonely times, and in the most emotionally draining seasons of life. This has got to be for some people probably most of us, look to the Lord, I want to say to you, look to the Lord, even if you are on a Jacob journey. Uh, Jacob just, he was a bit of a vagabond, he stole his inheritance, he's on the move now, and he's, he's, on, on, he's escaping from his brother, from his family, and he's just on this crooked path. Even if you are a Jacob, on a Jacob journey along a crooked path of destiny, Dreams are coming your way. Visions that will change your life. Expect them. That's what I want to say to you. Expect to be woken up. If not today, this year, you will be woken up to where the world's at, where Australia's at in terms of... And it's going to be magnificent. We're going to see the house filled. We're going to see people worshipping and really understanding, gee, it wasn't, it wasn't a joke after all. It just wasn't, you know... Patsy religion, but it was really, and we're going to see people, Andrew, I believe, really committing themselves, because it says in Psalm, people will volunteer themselves in the day of power, say power. People will volunteer and say, what can I do? What can I do? And uh, we're going to see those days. They're upon us now. We're actually seeing people join the church. How are you doing, buddy? What's your name again? Nathan, you are a mighty man of God. You could be a future leader of the church the way you're sitting there. With, uh, with your ruling and reigning attitude and uh, your posture and your, your muscles, but it's about the calling on you, I see. Forget about the physical, but you carry, an, uh, you carry leadership. And I'm looking at you now and you're going, wow, what is, what's he talking about? I just came into the kingdom only so long ago, but I believe there's something inherent, which means that there's something irrevocable, uh, there's something that you were born with in your spirit that cannot be ignored. So when a man of God like me, who is looking for recruitment, I'm looking for players, I'm looking for key players like a coach does. You ever see a coach saying, hey, and they go up to the dad, your boy, you know, he plays pretty good. Yeah, I was watching him the other day, yeah, he's pretty good. No, I think I can do something with that kid, you know what I mean? I think I can make something. Oh, you, you reckon? Yeah, I want to put him in my club. I want to put him in the king's club, you know what I mean? And so, Father, I anoint this young man, Nathan, and I bless him to be a player in the kingdom. Not a church uh, pew sitter, uh, Lord, but a, 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 and, and one engaged with a vision, with a purpose, with a mission at hand. Let him dream and have visions 
for this end game. Jesus' name. Amen. Isn't that good? Give it up for Jesus right there. So Abraham dreamed, Jacob dreamed, Joseph dreamed, Solomon dreamed, Acts 2.17, Solomon dreamed, Joseph dreamed. Believers are supposed to dream in the last days. God says, I'll pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Nathan, young men will see visions. That's you, buddy. Just take that right now. Your old men will dream dreams. Who's, ha- who's the older men having dreams? I'm starting to have dreams. God dreams. Uh, and I've been pining for these, praying for this. And I'm just starting now at the age that I am, uh, 28 years of age. So I'm starting to have dreams. Isn't that great? God dreams, but not about decks and cars and motorbikes. And uh, I'm actually having God's visiting me in the night. And that's precious. So young men will see visions. But old men have visions too. Look, this is interchangeable. It's so important to see the vision of the church and your destiny in it. Otherwise, it's just, it, it won't work. There's no power in it. But when you engage, when you engage, when you enroll in your footy team, your tennis team, you're empowered uh, to play, to be a player. You get a jersey, you get a number, you abide by the rules, and then you're winning, you're scoring. And, and it's in that that the church becomes fulfilled in its mission. And re- but it's when you become fulfilled in your life and you become a player. Man, you know, you just don't want to be coming to church without your jersey. When do I get a jersey? You know, what, what, man, when do I get, here come, he's got number seven, you know, and he, you know, and, and he's got the socks and he's got the stuff and he's ready. Now, well, what about me? And some people are like that, but I want to tell you, everyone can play in Jesus' name. Jacob had a vision of a house of God. It was a gate of heaven. He actually fell asleep on his crooked path and he fell asleep on this mountain he has this dream of a house an extraordinary place he called it the gate of heaven let's have a look at Genesis 28 verse 17 Jacob sees a vision of the house of God and this gate of heaven a prophetic dream a vision of the powerful life-giving place of his power and his presence a bit like this house don't you believe so he was afraid after he woke up and he said how awesome is this place this is none other than the house of God. This is a gate of heaven. And it's actually the church that now in the 21st century that God wants to build. It's, um, it's a place, a gateway into the supernatural. There's real gates and symbolic gates in the word of God. But it, typically the gates in the Old Testament of a city, say that was Jerusalem there and there were gates here, the wise men would be here. Phil Cairns and uh, Jeff and uh, others, Brett Wood, the wise men, would be at the gates. And business, there would be a transaction of business here at the gates. If you had a document, you were buying land, it would be witnessed by these wise council of elders at the gate. Gates were closed and resisted the enemy. Gates were opened and let people in. See what I mean? And so gates became a place of exchange in business. Say business. So he sees, Jacob sees this vision of a place. How awesome is this place? This is none other than the, than the house of God, the gateway to heaven. We have tried to, we've tried to provide a gateway for you, my friends, seekers of God, into the kingdom of God. Not into religion. We're not doing religion and, and we're, we're trying to appease some sort of religious form, denying the power therein. We're actually trying to open the gates, which should have been done already through prayer, through giving, through people that live a holy life, and people who subscribe to the kingdom 
in an authoritative, powerful, passionate way. Gates open in a particular area. Religion don't do that. We've got gates open right now. And he says, uh, Jacob says, he sees a ladder propped up against the sapphire sill of heaven and he says he sees angels ascending and descending into this certain place. Angels coming down with healing, who wants healing? <laughs> angels coming down with finances, who wants a job? <laughs> who, who wants joy? Who wants peace? You can see these angels, who, who wants it? And it's with your faith that you engage and take it. If you sit there, oh, there goes an angel with some faith. Oh, oh, well. You've got to have faith in the house of God to take what is yours, what you can have. If you sit there on the back foot just going, just looking in the natural, you're not going to see the supernatural in the house. Matthew 16, verse 18. Thank you. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. So there's Jesus saying, I want to build. This is the, this is the clarification of the dream, the vision that Jacob had. He didn't call it a church, but he called it a place. But Jesus actually clarifies it now thousands of years later in the New Testament. He says, I'll tell you what it is. I'll tell you what the dream that Jacob had. It's this. I tell you this, that you, Peter, on this rock, on this rock, what's the rock? The rock of revelation. Because he just said you are the son, the son of God, the son of the, son of, son of the, uh, the, the king, son of the, the father. Uh, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. So there's gates now that are resisting our church going forward. There's gates in your heart that are resisting God coming into your life. There's gates. Some people have great big monumental, uh, ornamental gates, I should say. Ornamental gates. Gates are symbolic, but they're real. But Jesus said, I'm going to build my church. My church will be spread out to the ends of the earth. It will pop, it will go out as a divine influence. It will turn cities over. It will, it will bring people out of captivity. And not even the gates of hell that have stopped my message, my kingdom coming into whole regions will stop it. The early Testament church was able to penetrate into heathen regions, whole regions, and reclaim those regions for Christ. Turning them upside down, the Bible says. It's fantastic. Got to understand the vision, the dream that God has for his church. Got to do that. It's a big stretch for God's dream. It's a big stretch. It stretches us into the future. It stretches our ability, abilities, including our ability to dream. So let's have a look at this. Let's have a look at this. And please, don't underestimate what this can do for your life when you truly engage, and I've got a powerful example of what can happen to your life when you engage the vision. When you engage vision, God's vision for your life, it's then when he optimizes you, empowers you, defines you. If you think you're defined now, man, you wait till you engage the kingdom. You get defined, man. You begin to get your prayer happening. You find your prayer. Man, I didn't know I had a prayer, prayer life in that holster there. I didn't know I had healing in my hands, in this holster. You became, you become this, this awesome, awesome hero for God. Divinely equipped to do great stuff for God. Isn't it fantastic? Oh, Father, we thank you.
We're going to cut to the chase. Do you know people will even risk coming to church, to a church like this, where God's presence, God's life, God's the, 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 the tangible reality of God is in the place. Do you know Aussies will risk coming to that place? They're going to say to you folk, you reckon God's in that house? You reckon I can experience him? Well, I'm just, I'm just going to come. I'm going to come this Sunday. I'm going, I'm going, to, I'm going to see what it's like. And, 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 if, and if we can allow for God to manifest as much as we can in this place with our faith, it's determined by our faith, it's determined with your hope, it's determined by your love, faith, hope and love, as we can create this atmosphere, this awesome house, this is none other than the house of God. How awesome is this house? How awesome is this house right now? People are going to come to it, get defined by it. There was a guy um, that found his destiny. He was defined in his calling. And you know his name. Most of you know his name. Oscar Schindler, a German businessman who saved the lives of more than a thousand Polish Jews during the Holocaust by employing them in his factories. Who's seen the movie? Who's seen the movie? Oscar Schindler. A ring was given to him uh, at the end when he had actually brought these people to freedom. And when, when the war was over, he had to flee from all these people that he'd saved. A ring was given to him. They'd actually made a ring for him because he'd actually given everything away, including his jewelry. And it says this on the ring, he who saves the life of one man saves the world in fire. And, and, and it says, Schindler is touched by deeply ashamed feeling he could have done more to save many more lives. Weeping, he considers how many more lives he could have saved as he leaves with his wife during the night. And just aside, Spielberg was astounded by the story of Oscar Schindler, jokingly asking when it was presented to him back in the back in the early 80s, I think it was, jokingly asking if this was true of such a man. Is, is this you know, this has got to be a good novel. And uh, Spielberg was drawn to the paradoxical nature of Schindler. It was about a Nazi saving Jews. What would drive a man like this to suddenly take everything he had dreamed and put it, it all, put all in the service of saving those lives? So the story is that he's immensely rich. He's an industrialist. Creates these factories, has Jews working in them, uh, and he makes things for the war, pots and pans. And he makes oodles and oodles of money, um, just cases and cases of money. And, but something happens to him. Uh, Spielberg says he expressed an interest uh, to Universal Studios to buy the rights to the novel. And in early 1983, Spielberg met with this fellow, Fettenberg. Fettenberg says to Spielberg, because this is this guy's dream is to make this movie. Can't get anyone to make it. And he says, please, when are you starting it? He says to Spielberg. And Spielberg replied, 10 years from now. <laughs> he says, you're kidding he says, no, I'm not mature enough to make this movie. And, and there will be a series of events that I need to put into place. He had a 10-year vision to make that movie. And they rank it as the eighth best movie of all time ever made. 
the, just the, everything about it. It was the eighth, they voted it the eighth best movie. Let's have a look at Oscar Schindler as he goes from this selfish man, entrepreneurial, businessman, industrialist, who's surviving the war, that the war that came into Poland, but now he's, I think he's in, no, he's in, anyway, Czechoslovakia, no, I'm not sure about that, but he's, he's now rounding up all these Jews, prisoners that are, uh, are on a list to be exterminated, and he finds these Jews that he wants to work for him in his factory to make money. He doesn't want to help them. He just wants to make money. But something happens to him when he gets a dream, when he gets a vision, and he begins this most incredible rescue plan of, I guess, buying back all the Jews from the Germans, from the Nazis. And at the end of that, uh, we come to a scene, I guess, at the factory now, because the war is over, and he has to flee, because he's a Nazi. He is, in fact, a Nazi. Let's have a look at Oscar Schindler. And, with, hang on, with, just pause. With this, I want you to think about this, that your consequence of your life is probably similar to this. When I watched this last week, I found this deeply affected me when I thought about what we're preaching on, which is about vision, vision for souls, vision for the harvest, and people subscribing to that and committing to that. That's what all the church is about. That's what your money's about. It's for souls. When we say money, we're saying souls. When we say we're building a church, we mean souls. Four saved on Friday. We're up to 65 now of this year, souls saved through this house. All the finances, all your time, all your talent, who you are, the oxygen you breathe is all about souls. Because at the end of their life, you'll stand before Jesus to give an account for your life. And I want you to have proof. I want you to say, no, I went to C3 Tugger and we had thousands of people saved. This is what we want to believe uh, for. So let's just roll this We have written a letter trying to explain things in case you were captured. Every worker has signed it.
Oscar, there are 1,100 people who are alive because of you. Look at them. If I made more money. <laughs> I threw away so much money. <laughs> you have no idea. If I just... Generations because of what you did. emotionally realizing actually what he's done. What a man, what a moving shape. How he played the whole deal and how we are able to play those uh, those those men off the, the Nazis I guess and wrangle those souls uh, for for life and at the end where we see real survivors which represent four four thousand people now I think a thousand were saved, but probably four, even six thousand, six thousand survivors from there. And don't underestimate one soul. Um, but don't underestimate what your church is doing too. One of the key things we've got to realize what the church is doing is saving souls. We're about rescuing people, saving souls. Do you know what I'm saying? The purpose of the church goes like this. The church exists for three primary reasons. One, to minister to God. That's what we did this morning. We worship and we praise God. That's what we're here for. We pray, we, we read his word, we're about ministering to God. The second one, to minister to one another. This is what we do through our relationships, uh, through our teamwork and discipleship. We're about working with each other. The third one, and it's the one we can't do when we're in heaven, the third one is the minister to the world. It's the minister to the people back out there. That's the one that we do now, but we cannot do when we're in heaven. The first two we can. We can minister to God when we're in heaven. Amen. And we can minister to each other maybe in heaven, but we cannot minister to the people around us. 
This is one thing we cannot do. Genesis 28, verse 13, uh, we're going back to that Jacob um, uh, meeting. There above it stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham, and the God of Isaac, and I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Land represents can represent now influence. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth. So we're seeing the church growing. It's up to a billion people at the moment. The church is growing all over the world. Souls of people saved is, uh, is a billion, I think, a billion. Like the dust of the earth and you will spread out. Spread out means break out. In the Hebrew, the word spread out means break through. The word in Hebrew for spread out is break through. We break through into the schools. We break through into all the regions of the earth. We break through onto the islands. We break through into every place. Jails, we're breaking through. Uh, so that's what spreading out means. All the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. In fact, the Bible says that we will be blessed to be a blessing. That you, in the divine crossfire of getting blessed to be a blessing, you get blessed, you're, you're blessed. You get blessed, you get you blessed. You get blessed, you, you bless. That's what's supposed to happen to you. If you keep your gates closed to God and he can't, you can't allow God to bless you, you can't bless. You will run out of blessings. People will come to you, you'll have no blessings. You'll have no compassion, you'll have no love, you'll have no faith, you'll have no hope. So the idea is to worship to God, let, those, let, the, let the ministry of him fill you, anoint you, bless you, define you in the spiritual gym called church, and then you can go back out into the world and minister to people. If you never fill up, if you never fill up and get re-optimized in God, that's what church is. We're being filled even right now in this divine activity of God, in this gateway to heaven. He's blessing you. He's anointing you. He's reviving you. He's healing you. He's blessing you. He's enlivening you, emboldening you. Holding you, He's anointing you right now. Just receive it right now. That's what happens in this energy called church. But as my last point, I want to get this across to you. In Luke nineteen forty-one. God so loves the world, He so does. And He approached Jerusalem and saw the city. This is Jesus now approaching the city of Jerusalem, and He sees the souls of humanity. It's a day of visitation. Jesus has come. And it's, it's a visitation, man, unto, unto the world in a, such a dramatic way that this scripture is now quoted. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it, just like Oscar Schindler was weeping over souls. When a tough man, a businessman, an entrepreneurial man by the way, who literally gave all his money away. He literally gave, he had no jewel, if you saw, but he was absolutely, man, he had jewelry, diamond rings, he had, man, he had suitcases absolutely full of cash, and he just kept on buying. He asked the Nazis, how much is one, how much is one Jew worth? And they, he had to negotiate how much one Jew was worth. And then he began to buy the Jews back. And he just gave it all away for that. If you, and says, and said, even you, even you had only known on this day what would bring you peace. But now it is hidden from your eyes. Their eyes, hang on, just right there, their eyes, they, they can't see the day of visitation. Some Aussies can't see the day of visitation. 
They can't see this divine hope of God. They can't see salvation. They can't hear the gospel for what it is. They're blind. They're blind. It's not their fault, but it's a spiritual condition. It's one of the three curses of spiritual death. Poverty is the other one. Sickness is the other one. They're curses on the planet that you can alleviate when you believe in Jesus Christ. Again, the three curses on the planet, poverty, sickness, spiritual death. Meaning you can't see God, you can't believe in the presence of God, you just can't believe in the kingdom of God, you just shut down. You try and talk to people and they go, what are you talking about? All I can hear is religion. No, I'm talking about the reality of God that I have met, that I have living in my heart. See, and, but, but I'll, get to a, I'll get to an answer to that whole predicament. Even if you, even you had only known this day that would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. Yeah. The day will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you. I'm seeing this right now against uh, the Western society. There's like an embankment being built up against them. You know, we, we're suffering economic uh, stuff, but also wars are creeping in and, and pestilence and earthquakes and, and all this stuff is, is it, it, it's surrounding people. People are feeling surrounded. Embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. Yeah. And that's it. They will dash you to the ground and the children within your walls, they will not leave us. No, no, let's forget it. That's, 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 that's great. It's amazing when, um, Tim, I wonder if you could give me the scripture, Luke 19.45, because I'm trying now to come down the home straight. It's interesting to note that this story now is right at the end of, Ju of Jesus having compassion for Jerusalem Jesus has compassion now, crying, but in the next story that we're given, he turns up in the temple, then he entered the temple area and began driving out those who were selling. So he's turned up in the temple of Jerusalem and he's driving out these people that are selling and doing things that should not happen in the life of the church. Then he entered the temple area and began driving out those who were selling. And he it is written, he said to them, my house will be a house of prayer. <laughs> That's a huge statement right there. He says, guys, and he's got a whip, and he's turning over the money changers tables. You've seen it, righteous anger. Jesus, with righteous anger, is turning over people's businesses of the exchange of money and business being done in the house of God. And he's saying, he's turning tables over, and he's, and he's, you know, he's lashing the whip, and people are going, this guy's going crazy now. But he is absolutely zealous. The zeal, the Bible says in Scripture, the zeal of the house will consume him. The zeal of the house will consume him. He's just so, you know, angered, righteous anger about this house that is not functioning as it should be. And he says, right there, he says, my house will be a house of prayer. And he, I think that Scripture is there, Jill's, for a reason. Because now he's looked out over the city of Jerusalem with compassion and saw that their eyes were blind and not realizing the day of his visitation. He's saying, what is that? Not even my personal manifested uh, reality of, of me here now is not enough even. With all the miracles I've performed and all the teaching and all the stuff I've done, walked on water and, and, and raised the dead, it's still not enough for people to know who I am. What is that? Well, that's a condition that's on the planet right now. It's spiritual blindness. Spiritual blindness. 
But Jesus, I mean, God gives us this scripture straight after that story where he comes into the temple now and he says, right, I'm laying the blame at you guys. The house, it should be a house of prayer. And I think, church, we need to get a shot of compassion again, like Oscar Schindler. We need to get compassion. He couldn't give a toss about those Jews, most of the story. If you watch the movie, he couldn't give a toss about them. But something shifted in his heart. He had a vision. He had a dream. Something happened for him. And something came alive in him, which was compassion for souls. One soul, even. Have you got a scripture there that talks about Luke 15, verse 7? I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons. So here's us all righteous in the house of God, praising God. The Bible says if one person in that paddock out there gets saved, heaven is celebrating, it's having a party over that one soul that's saved out there, outside the church, rather than us in the house. That's how important souls are for God. He's, God's done it all. Jesus has done it all. The Holy Spirit is doing is empowering us for souls. God's done it. Jesus has done it. He's gone to the cross. He loves the world. He loves the world. God loves the world. He loves every race, every creed, every person, no matter who they are, he loves them. He wants everyone to come under salvation. He wishes that no one perish. The good news that's been that needs to go out in power needs to happen more and more through this house. We need to saturate this this area, breakthrough, spreading out like the sands, the grains of sands. We need to spread out and continue this urgency, continue this absolute uh, passion for souls. It's about souls. Give for souls. When I say, who wants to give? We should say, yeah. We should be like, oh, if I said that to Oscar Schindler, who wants to give when I was given, given the message? Who wants to give? If Oscar Schindler was in the house and it meant souls and he knew it meant souls, he would have, yes. He would have brought a suitcase full of money in. We would say, who's this girl? Suitcase. Have you seen this? Hundreds, fifties. Oscar. What's, what's he going to do with it? Give it in the offer. What for? Souls. He, he, he reckons it saves souls. Oh yeah, yeah. Money saves souls for Oscar. Money saves souls through the church. Money does that. Get a handle on that and that will get you over the whole dilemma of giving to God. You're not giving to some fanciful idea. You're giving to the vision of a house of God that unto this day, from this start of this year, has saved 60 Five souls. That's what we're doing with your resource. Not only of your money, but you. Every person that serves at the door. Every person that helps with the musicianship. Every person that puts something together in this place. It's about souls. Amen? Let's give it up for there. Yeah. (laughs) That's what we're doing. We're releasing people. I love that scene where they're in the train and they actually took a wrong turn off. He'd already bought them. They were supposed to be the list. Schindler's list was made, but the train went into Auschwitz. 
and it, it just went there for some uh, administration problem, and, and he got them back out, and as they were leaving back on the train, you could look back and see the ones that were going into the gas chambers. And I thought, salvation again. You know, guys, it's heaven or hell, remember? Heaven or hell. Let's all stand, God bless you. Father, in this house, we declare, we declare that we are a house of salvation. We've got to pray, guys, like never before. Power belongs to God. We need a power shift to greater confidence and dependence on God. Prayer is the key to everything, both in our personal lives and the church. It's not by might or power, but by the Spirit of the Lord. Jesus lived his whole life dependent on prayer, reliance of the Father. We need to pray. We need to believe for revival. Only God can stand against the attackers of Satan upon our nation and enable us to see a spiritual breakthrough. John Wesley said, God does nothing except in answer to believing prayer. Can I just say there, thank God for all the prayers of the church. I thank you that you're meeting in your homes, that you're praying for Julie and I, that you're praying for the youth group, that you're praying for the house of God to save souls. Thank you for all the prayers, whether it be one sentence, one word. Thank you for all the prayer groups in the house. John Wesley said, God does nothing except in answer to believing prayer. Pray for the entry of God's kingdom into this place. God's will to be done in this church, in this world, in this region, in this community. Prayer makes a difference. Father, we stand before you and we know that you weep, cry out for souls. Lord, we want to be soul winners. We want to have faith and compassion. Lord, wake us up again, Lord. Let us have a divine injection of, of compassion again for souls. Help me to give for souls. Help me to love for souls. Help me to serve the church for souls. Right now in Jesus' name, I pray that people would be anointed all over again. I've got some good news here. Jeff, uh, Jeff uh, you've been got a good report. You've had a great result from your doctor. On Wednesday, he declared you clear of cancer. Clean bill of health. Amen. A fantastic testimony of God's faithfulness and God's healing. That curse of sickness, it will bow its knee if you give, if you give your life to Jesus. The curse of poverty will bow its knee if you give your life to Jesus. Some of you, you are living in lack and you haven't given Jesus your loaves and your fishes. You haven't given him your whole life. If Jesus is not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. Right now in this house, I want to say to you, I want you to believe for the vision of the church. I want you to believe that from this moment, this day that you will begin to engage the vision for the harvest just like Oscar Schindler you will realize you're born for a purpose for a day such as this maybe you've been in the house you felt God experienced God and you feel like you're on the outer you feel like you've just the wheels are spinning but there's no traction you feel disconnected from God you feel alone no hope maybe you want to be in 
Maybe you want to be loved by God. To do that, you need to acknowledge Jesus to come to God the Father. Jesus Christ paid a price for your soul, for your life on the cross of Calvary. Maybe it's it's for you this morning, this free gift. But others that maybe feel like they be, have become distanced from God, you may want to recommit your life. No, no moving in the auditorium right now. No moving in the auditorium. Maybe you used to know God, but you're not sure anymore. Somehow your heart's grown despondent. I want to offer a prayer for you this morning, a prayer of salvation, so that you can absolutely know that you're saved, absolutely know that you're a child of God, destined for heaven, loved by God, sent here on purpose to be blessed, to be prosperous. If that's you, if you really feel like you need to recommit your life to Jesus or commit your life for the first time, and you're in the house right now, I'm going to ask for hands in the moment. When I say put your hands up, Put them up quickly. Jesus, I'm asking for people to respond right now. People for the first time, the second time, maybe you just need a revival in your life and you need to respond and say this prayer with us. It's a simple prayer. Give me the honor to say that prayer over your life. That's you from the front to the back. That's great, sister. To the side, to the side. In every seat. Oh, we're, just pray, everyone, right now. Just keep your hand up, sister. Anyone else? from the front to the back. Father, we're asking for people to reacquaint themselves to you, to reappoint themselves to you. Is that you? Is that you? Is that you? Is that you? Just anyone in the house. Don't move. Let's just give someone an opportunity here. Father, your people are here. They stand before you. They love you. They know that you love them. But Lord, they want to acknowledge you this, this morning in this house. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. Say this out. Father God, I believe in your son Jesus. I believe he walked the earth, performed miracles, died on the cross for my sin. Lord Jesus, forgive me of all my sin. Wash me clean. Set me free. Come to live in my heart serve you, Lord. I worship you all the days of my life. From this moment on, I'm saved. I'm born again. I'm a child of God. I'm yours, Lord. Anoint me now. Bless me now. Fill me now. Heal me now. Revive me now. And the people of God say, Amen. Give it up for Jesus right there, guys.